Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. And I I stand by it myself. And I must say, it's time to say, let's go Devils. Support for the Jersey Joe Corner podcast comes from Manscaped. They are awesome in men's below-the-waist trimming. Manscaped delivers precision tools for your kahunis. This is why Manscaped has re-engineered the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has the proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't get you in the family jewels or anywhere sensitive. Manscaped accidents are basically a fossil in the past. And don't use the same trimmer that you use to clean your face that you use downstairs. That is just gross. Manscaped has the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already use that stuff for your armpits, but why not do it downstairs? That's the most smelliest part of your body. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code BIGHEADS, all caps, B-I-G-H-E-A-D-S at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools to get the job done. Your kahunis will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Please use B-I-G-H-E-A-D-S, all caps. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Let's go, baby!
Well, good evening. It's Jersey Joe and Jersey Jim. How are we feeling tonight? We feeling rejuvenated? We feeling refreshed? We feeling time relaxed. to cel- relax, celebration, party? I don't know. Celebrate with seltzers, baby. I'm not sure if we could go that far. Well, I mean, some of us might celebrate with a seltzer. I mean, for those who don't understand that, well, you're gonna have to come to Snapchat and find out what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, if you want to snap and chat, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with Corey Massasak's, uh article that I was just, uh, I'm just quoting what he wrote and tell me what you think. Uh, he, he was basically writing from what Ratio says, I'll have a list that will be wide ranging. I usually have a list anyway, whether it's for assistant coaches coaches in the minors or scouts or trainers we will see we know at the end of the year there's more possibilities and opportunities i think in the short term i want to see where this goes and get a better feel for it get a better feel of our team and our players ray shiro i mean look Race is talking about a late Nazarene, and for those that have not been around or were under a rock or out in outer space or wherever you were. Watching the Giants and Jets. Suck. Um, <laughs> the Devils relieved John Hines of his duties as head coach yesterday prior to the game against Las Vegas. It was a long time coming. Uh, and the tipping point was Saturday against the Rangers. And it just spoiled over into whatever you want to call it Monday night against Basically, the Basically, the camel's back was broken versus Buffalo. Yeah, there was no way he was making it to Vegas. That game was not happening. You couldn't feed him to the Wolves. The fans were calling for blood already. I mean, Saturday, they were, they were chanting fire Hines. You just couldn't. It would have been unfair for him to go into that building. It would have been hostile. It or just would have been a hostile environment. It, or, as, or as old coach Peter DeBoer would say, it's a tough building. Yeah, it is a tough building, especially when you're underperforming. I will, I will have to say this. When you're underperforming, you're looking for candidates that could possibly – be suited for uh, possible head coaching, assistant coaching for the New Jersey Devils. So I want to hit on um, Corey Massasak's uh, assessment. Uh, you tell me I'm going to do a rank them. Okay. You're going to rank each one of these guys. Okay. So he he put down Nazradine, Kowalski, Ken Hitchcock, Patrick Eliash, Mike Vellucci, Jay Leach, Rocky Thompson, Tony Granato, John Roblevsky, someone who I mentioned, Mike Yo, Dan Balsma, Jay Woodcroft, and Todd Nelson. All right. Well, the first guy that's probably going to be on the board at the top guy is probably Balsma because Shiro and Balsma have been linked since their days in Pittsburgh. Is he your number one? I would say he's my number one um, just because, like I said, the ties are there. Ray Shiro went to bat for this guy. Ray Shiro lost his job in Pittsburgh because he wouldn't fire Dan Bilesma. 
So that's how much respect he has for Bilesma. Now, Rick Kowalski, where would you put him? I'd probably, probably put him middle of the pack. You saying number five? I'd probably say like a four or five spot. I'll put him at five. All right, so we'll put him at five. As far as the current interim head coach, which is Elaine Nazardine, I actually might put him around the three spot because he's just taken over and you want to – you have to give him time. So, Nazardine, you're putting at three spot? Yeah, I'll give him a three spot because I want to see what he can do. And it may it, – you know, it's – they only had one game last night. You're not going to expect much. He just was thrown into the game. They looked a lot better. They played better, but they still have a lot of – they still have a lot of – um, work to do, especially defensively. The two hole goes to this guy, and his name I like this guy, Tony Granado. Granado, it is. I actually like Granado. I I will re- reveal my my ten after you're finished. All right. So Granado is in the two hole. Um, so I like, I like Granado there just because he's a, he's a guy, um, college guy, he understands the game. Wisconsin University. Wisconsin. He's been with, and he's also been with Shiro in Pittsburgh. So again, another connection. You put the dots together. Do you think the Devils, if they hire him, they would trade for, uh, Luke Coonan? They might, they just might. I mean, he. I if I recall correctly, he was drafted out of Wisconsin. Yes. Um, the, now that number four spot afterwards. Four spot is the guy you mentioned the other day. Um, you just mentioned before. I Robolevsky. Robolevsky. I you know I do more research on him and I, I like him. I like what he brings. Yeah, I I honestly think that. There's a lot of dots that are very common with him. Uh, I do think there are a lot of similar DNA uh, thoughts about his way he coaches the game, and there's a lot of youth going on that is in his favorability. Um, let's get to that sixth spot. Uh, I'm gonna. This is a name we've mentioned before on the podcast about coaching, which wasn't in. Um, the article, uh, but it's Guy Boucher at six. All right. I'm going off the board here. Cause... Okay, so you're, you're doing what I call the hipster pick. Exactly. It's a hipster pick. I just like, you know, this, you know, something about Boucher. He's, um, you know, he's done it. He's shown he can do it in the National Hockey League. Come to mention it, you're, you just made me make him my number 11. Okay. Because I wasn't, you know, thinking about him just now, but, you know, he's someone that I was thinking about, but who knows? He he, he could be a candidate by Ray Shiro because he's coached – I mean, he's been the opposing GM to him for years. Yeah, exactly. So – um, I'd probably go Hitch seven. Hitch, yeah. 
Hitchcock, it yeah. is. Um, the former uh, Dallas Stars, Stanley Dallas Cup, yeah, coach. Edmonton Oilers. Um, the losing coach when Eliash and Sakura scored at the old Meadowlands. Yes. Um, Any, anyone who doesn't know, please look that one up on YouTube. Great goal. Oh, my God. What a great goal that was. Sakura was a bomb of a blast. Anyways, that number eight pick that you that you have to select. Uh, who's left on the board? Uh, let's see. Uh, Eliash, Leach, Rocky Thompson, Granada, Roblevsky, Balsma. Uh, All right. So Eliash, I have Vellucci. So, Thompson. So Thompson. Yo. Volute. All right. So Mike Yo at eight. Yo ho and a bottle of rum. At eight. Then uh, then I'll Jay have Jay Woodcroft and Todd Nelson are the other names I didn't say. I would probably put like Jay Leach and Eliash nine ten. Because I see more of those guys as assistants. And speaking of an assistant coach, because I have the television on right now. Um, our buddy Scott Stevens, who we love, um, it would be a great assistant coach. I mean, I mean, there's some, there's definitely some things that need to be fixed for him to come back, no doubt. Um, because just the way he breaks down the game, if people haven't seen the clip on Twitter yet, uh, NHL Network, last night Scott Stevens broke down what is plaguing the Devils defensively. Uh, in regards to their breakouts, and it's the fact that they hold on to the puck too long in their zone. They need to get the puck up and out as quickly as possible. They don't. They try to circle back too much and hold on to the puck and have puck control in their own zone, which is a big no-no because this allows teams to forecheck again. Just get the puck up and out, start going north and south, and then have puck control in the offensive zone. All right, so I kind of made a switch in my picks. So I'm gonna re- release my top eleven. I put okay. Stevens on your eleven. Uh, I had Pat. Okay, here's my co- my head coaching tier: the one through three. Uh, Patrick Eliash. He's a guy who's respected. He's loved, and he's a guy that knows what it takes to play and be in an NHL locker room right off the bat. Okay, here in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, look, Eliash, he's a great choice. Um, the the players respect him. They love the fact that when he comes in, he does – he works with them on every asset aspect of the game. So, he's a great choice. Um, it's just the fact that do you just throw him into the wolves right away without going through, like, the whole process of – Well, speaking of wolves and throwing in the fire right away – my number two is Dan Bilesma. I mean, it is common for Shiro to hit on former Penguins affiliate people or anyone who has been on his staff. And he's had a successful career getting them a Stanley Cup and having, you know, really good centers in Crosby and Malkin. Now with Hughes and Heischer, I think this would be a cakewalk for him even if it's in the roughest of shapes going into the next season. Yeah, I, I agree with uh I agree with Bosman. I mean it just it, it just makes sense. The optics, the, the everything 
it just makes the most sense. That's the name that's out there. Number three, I put Granado. I think I think he's a fair, ideal, you know, personnel. I think of guy like him, you know, you have a lot of experience with, you know, kids who are at AHL level skill in the college ranks at the D1 level. And Wisconsin University has gone through a rebuild themselves, and they're starting to get better. So I like the way – things are looking and also he's got you know relations with the penguins with shiro and fitzgerald yeah i like uh i like granado uh it's a great pick there's a reason why he's coaching at wisconsin there's a reason why he was uh a candidate for several uh head coaching positions just what he brings to the table he's similar to what you know what rick tockett is doing in uh, arizona with the coyotes that's why I think he'd be a great fit for the Devils. And as in um, one of the notes from uh, Corey Massasak writes, his results with the Badgers have been mixed, as I stated, though he has a somewhat indirect connection with Jack Hughes. Two members of Granado's hyped freshman class are Jack's old roommate, Alex Turcott, and linemate Cole Caulfield. Yeah, I mean, look, that the right there, the U.S. connection, USA connection. I mean, all those guys played together. And this leads me to the switch over at number four, um, John Rublevsky. He is someone I actually couldn't stop watching his coaching tactics for the U.S. National Development Program. You know, having kids like David Quinn and – I mean, coaching. I mean, coaching David Quinn and Ron Rolson. You have kids like Zgrass, Matthew Boldy. I've talked about in another segment here, and I do think with these kids, you know, the probably the best birth year the U.S. hockey program has ever had since maybe the 1980s. You can blow that one out of the water almost. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just you can say. Yeah, it's 100% correct. I mean, last year, I mean, if you look at it, the first round was littered with guys that would take him from the U.S. developmental program. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. This is where later on in the – somewhere, not in December, but maybe after December, we'll get Anthony DiPaolo on to further explain that. Yeah. But um, now on to uh, number five – would be uh, Rocky Thompson. So Thompson is someone that, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot about, but he certainly has some interesting descriptions as Corey Massack wrote. He was with Chicago in the AHL. And he actually has a connection with Tyler Della, the VP of analytics for the Devils. So there's a connection there. That's, and the Devils have that going on. That's that's good. I mean, you always need – look, when you're looking for a coach or you're looking for players to bring in, you always look for connections that are there. And, hey, as we dive down deeper into these lists, maybe some of these guys become assistants. Maybe some of these guys go elsewhere. But 
Um, there's going to be a name after we're done that I want to talk about. Um, and uh, maybe we can see maybe he fits into the mold someplace. And then at six, where I switched, is Jay Leach. Sure, he played his time with the Devils, but he also played with Scranton Wilkes-Barre. So, and he was under uh, Sullivan after Hines departed for New Jersey. So, and it says here in his notes, after one season with the Baby Penguins, Leach became an assistant with the Providence Bruins. And he says he got the coaching job a year later and has led the Bruins to the Calder Cup playoffs in each of his first two seasons. Hey, I mean, he's doing an unbelievable job in Boston with uh, with their Providence team. I mean, the the fact that we talked about this the other night, we just hit on it real quick. The way that these guys draft, the way these guys develop, it, it's it's uncanny how these guys are so ready to play in the NHL right away. And then you have these NHL-ready players uh, – who are veterans who are almost getting ready to retire, who have noticed this coach, and I've mentioned him not long ago, uh, Ken Hitchcock. I have him at number seven. Hitchcock is someone, you know, who knows how to be, you know, a feisty one on the bench and argue with officials and, you know, keep players accountable. And he knows what it's like to be in the playoffs and have success. Yeah, I mean, look, Hitchcock is one of those guys that we might have seen his days maybe be numbered. Uh, you know, who knows if he's done or not. I mean, he said he was done after St. Louis. Then he come back and go up to Edmonton. We'll see if he's done after what happened in Edmonton. You know, and... he always figures out a way to get skilled guys to play defense and – and win. That that's a good thing, especially with the bottom six uh, of the Devils is starting to gel a little bit more on the two way game. But we need to see more consistency out of it. Uh, the next guy uh, is someone that's the interim coach at number eight is Elaine Nazardine. So, with the way things look for the first start under him, I actually like the structure. Uh, I didn't want to put him up too high because I want to tamper my expectations. Yeah. Because I figure guys like Leach and Thompson and Granado uh, have more experience than him. But at the same time, I felt the connection with Roblevsky, uh kind of puts the uh, connections a little bit more than uh, Nazardine, just because Nazardine was at the AHL level until – Nazardine was recently hired a few seasons back to be with the Devils. So I, I just want to think that if you give maybe the next 70% of the season, you have to take into account that he's going to try and turn things around and de Hines the team in the, in the strategy and make sure things are a lot more fluid. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's one game – Knowing Shiro and knowing, you know, how things are trending and he's going to let these guys settle in. I mean, he just made the coaching change. They got to practice. They got to do film. They got to do all this stuff. It's not going to – new coach isn't going to happen overnight. And, you know, I think he said it best yesterday when he's like, look, I got to let this settle. I got to let this breathe. 
I think he's going to give him mo- the rest of the season before making a decision on whether or not to lift the interim tag or not. And that brings me on to the next one. We're going out to uh, the Central Division, if I'm correct. Uh, Mike Yo with the De- with the Detroit uh, Red Wings as the assistant coach. Uh, he got fired last year, as we all know, from the St. Louis Blues, where Craig Berube ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And we all know Mike Yo from his time in Minnesota where they've been fringe playoff teams and playoff teams constantly. And he's coached Zach Parise. He's coached other players like Jason Zucker. So he has good relations with those players, but I'm not sure if his play style certainly fits the Devils. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, you know, Yo was replaced last year. There was the team. There were expectations last year on the team. They couldn't get it done, and then they bring Barube in. Uh, I mean, look, it, you know, he's a coaching choice. I mean, it seems there's always a rotating door with these coaches and carousel. Same guys get on and off, but maybe you got to look for a new new face. The question is, how many quarters are going to put into his carousel? I just, yeah, I mean, I'm just I, not sure if you're going to want to invest in that one. Well, and here's the thing. You, I'll make the comparison. You look at the National Football League, for instance. You, you look all these guys that are on the Belichick tree or, you know, all these big-time coaches, and, and they're really great coordinators. But when they become a head coach, they're not good. But when they go back to their role as a coordinator, they're good. And maybe Mike Yo is more suited to be an assistant than a – Head coach. That's where I kind of see John Hines going to the next team if he is in the head coach. So uh, there are certain attributes of every other person out there. Um, Speaking of assistant coaches, I wanted to hit on a guy at number 10 who has been known for his time in Binghamton uh, before Mark Dennehy, and I just basically gave it away there, (laughs) in uh, Rick Kowalski. Uh, running the power play, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he ran the power play. He, you know, it's funny because, you know, Kowalski got the promotion from the club uh, this season. His time in Binghamton, you know, you look at the record, it was okay. It wasn't it's great. Nothing, it's nothing to write home about. Marvel home, yeah. No, but I thought he did a good job with the talent that was there. Um, so I, I think that's another guy that maybe could just settle in as an assistant somewhere. I think he might stay an assistant with the Devils, but I think he might go elsewhere because I don't think his power play style suits the team. I think if he does get more experience with another organization because he's been with the Devils for so long, uh, I'm not sure if it, his uh, style exactly fits our power play style because the Devils over the years certainly fit the Adam Oates style of hockey and the Jeff Ward style. I wanted to put uh, Jeff Ward in there, but I'm not sure if he's going to want to leave Calgary. Yeah, I mean, look, it, that's, an, that's a tricky one with Calgary because he just got the interim tag since Bill Peters left. So, 
it, that's a tough one. We all liked Jeff Ford, Jeff Ford when he was here. Uh, everybody liked what he did. But that's a tricky one. That's tough. So my hipster pick is actually a guy that you mentioned and I mentioned multiple times on the podcast. Uh, of course, I love the trap. And this guy was in Switzerland uh, coaching because when he was – relieved of his duties from the senators if i'm correct uh, a few years ago when eugene malinick started to break down on the finances i do see guy boucher as a guy a really good sleeper pick that could come in under ray shiro and i remember one time against tampa bay that the devils were doing a one three one uh trap in the neutral zone it kind of worked, but it didn't because the other three guys that were holding the blue line were not falling back properly to pinch against the boards against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they still were able to clear the zone. But I would like to see a really good, strong defensive structure team. Yeah, I would too. I think that's what they need. They need to learn how to uh, break out. They need to learn how to get the puck going east, uh, north-south instead of east-west, especially in their own zone. Um, they, they need to, you know, they need to get a little bit more structure back defensively. Just too many mistakes going on back there. Bad line changes. <clears throat> can't make five-foot passes. Can't really do anything right defensively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Boucher... Yeah, I mean, he's probably another name that's going to be looked at. Um, I, th- I think it's worth a bet. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's probably going to be – he's probably on the list. I, You know, we hit on this the other day, um, and we talked about it last night, but we had some technical difficulties that couldn't record it. But this guy, he's down in Binghamton right now, and he's he was an underrated Devils player. And I don't know how many how much respect the fans have for him or appreciate what he did. But a guy like Sergey Breland could be an assistant coach type player, a guy that the Devils could look into. Absolutely, especially with Nikita Gusev around and with Mikhail Maltsev coming up from uh, Binghamton in the future. You know, you want to have a Russian speaker who can also help them learn English at the same time uh, with on and off the ice situations. So... And, of course, uh, it makes a lot of sense because the Devils drafted a couple of Russians over the past couple seasons in Mikhail Maltsev and Nikita Ohotnyuk. So it's a great insurance plan uh, on top of it. And you have a guy who understands the old Red Army style of hockey but be able to translate it to the NHL level of today. Yeah, and you know Sarge is you know one of those. He's one of the good guys, and 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 he's done. He's doing a great job down in in um, Binghamton for the Devils, and you know it's funny because I always say the Devils need to embrace their past, which they have, but I think they need to get more of their guys, their former players, back in the mold again. Uh, Scott Stevens being one of them. Don't want to harp on it too long, but <clears throat> I think <laughs> I think he deserves to be back in the fold somehow, working with these with these young kids in this defense. Um, I think a guy in like Patrick a developmental Al- way, yeah, whatever. 
just something because people guys have respect for him. Season ticket holders. Everybody loves him. Everybody understands what he, I mean. His analytical work on NHL Network is unbelievable. I learn a lot just by watching him. Me too. I mean, he sees things that no one else sees, and I, because he's a defenseman in the league, it would just help the Devils. Um, and I think Patrick Elias working with those skilled guys, it, it just it just makes so much sense to have like those three: Breland, Elias. And Stevens just somehow in the mold and in the mix. And it also will help weed out where the Devils will find guys that want to stay. And I uh, I actually want to segue over to the players that could be on the chopping block, on the trading block, per se. Um, Miles Wood, Taylor Hall, Wayne Simmons, Sammy Vatnin. Also, we're going to do a trade return on investment projection on each of the four. So we're going to try and be as honest and blunt about it as possible and explain our reasons why. All right. So obviously the first one, it's no secret. is Taylor Hall. I mean, the devils have to get a return on investment on this guy. He's a UFA. It just makes the most sense, and you should do it sooner rather than later because it's obvious that he's probably not going to resign in New Jersey. So um, I'm going to go out there on the record. I agree with uh, Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnson on this one that the Devils are looking at a a first-rounder in this year's draft, a conditional first, or a regular late first and an, an elite prospect and a player uh, and a roster ready player that has an elite level of skill, similar to Eric Bronstrom on that level. I think if Colorado is willing to jump in, Samuel Girard might be in that package for a guy that is ready to jump in as our defenseman, or if they want to go more defensive-minded, Nikita Zadorov, with that contract expiring, I, I certainly see the Devils eating up that contract. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's nothing wrong with any of those choices. Uh, it's definitely a first. It's definitely a conditional pick. It's definitely an NHL-ready player. And it's definitely a high-level prospect. There's no bones about it. No bones about it. Um, speaking of bones and uh, forwards, uh, I'm talking about bad boy Miles Wood. Uh, we've seen in the past where we have seen Brian Boyle go for, what was it, a fourth or a third? Uh, actually, I think they got a second for him. I think it was because that third round I recall it was a third round they got from Nashville. Yeah, which became and a second. It became a second because they advanced. Yeah. In, in the playoffs, so there yeah, there can definitely certainly be uh, a Mileswood third that could turn into a second. I can I can see that as a as a good return along with uh, a nice AHL player for Binghamton because you know, they need a lot of help on defense. So 
I do see a team in maybe, you know, Ed, not Edmonton, but definitely Calgary or Montreal that needs some size and speed. So that way Brendan Gallagher uh, in Montreal doesn't have to do all the hard work. And in Calgary, it would be a lot better for someone like Monaghan and uh, Goudreau not to have uh, problems with the third and fourth line players not being able to score and be able to alleviate the pain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it's just it just makes sense. I mean, so but Miles Wood, yeah, Miles Wood, he's definitely going. Uh, I I just think the value's there for him. Uh, Elliot Freeman actually mentioned that last night on NHL Tonight prior to the games that he was one of those players that was definitely on the block. I mean, he's a good. I mean, look, as much as I knock the guy, he has value, especially as a fourth line player. Um, he's definitely not a top six player. He can get you a draft pick. He might even get you a player. Maybe you exchange a fourth line depth player for him. But there's not going to be much else that you're getting for Miles Wood. Now, you're going to go on the record. Who would you get in return for Miles Wood? So, if. Or what? So, for. So what team are we going to look at, for instance? Let's say a team out west or out east that needs a big body. All right. So let's take a look. Let's take a look. Who should Would we – Would Tampa Bay be a good fit? Let's take a look at Tampa Bay for a minute. And if anybody heard my ringer go off, it's because people are giving me junk calls it. 7.45 on a, a Wednesday night. That's why I let it go to my U-mail. Exactly. These people are ridiculous. <laughs> Unless it's the uh, season ticket reps. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> that goes to voicemail too. So, <laughs> I mean, look, if you're looking at – if you're looking at um, – just say take a look in, for instance, Tampa Bay's roster right now, right? Say they're looking to upgrade a Miles Wood. Do you get a guy? Do you do you figure maybe a guy like Anthony Cirelli? Do you get a guy like Yanni Gord? Is there a way you steal? Is there is he worth the value of a Palat? Is he worth a guy like a Matthew Joseph? You know, it's hard to say. To to, to put in perspective, like Tampa Bay has a seventh and a sixth from. Ottawa and a fourth rounder from Detroit. If I am lurking around, you could probably ask for that fourth rounder from Detroit because you yeah. can bank on Detroit being in the lottery. Yeah. And that and those numbers can go sooner in the fourth round. And you can use that pick to get an, a really good player in this year's 2020 draft. We'll talk about that uh further into December and January once the season begins to whittle down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how quickly um, they're going to be trading Miles Wood. I mean, I don't know what the market is for him, but there's definitely there, – obviously, he has value. So, there, the people are going to be looking for a guy like that. And there's over $50 million in forwards 
for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they have Patrick Maroon at nine hundred grand. You have uh, Anthony Sorelli at under seven hundred twenty-nine thousand dollars as an RFA, and then you have Matthew Joseph as same amount of money. Corey Conacher is seven hundred grand. So there are three guys you can probably pry, but two two youngsters that you can really go after though. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Joseph especially. So and Tampa's in a cap crunch and like it all depends on as we talked about the other day with Hall and the Bruins, it all depends on cap. And if it goes up it goes down. And if you saw the Maple Leafs today, they activated Mitch Marner and they put Nick Shore on waivers yesterday who was claimed by Winnipeg. But they sent down Nick Patan and Martin Marincin because they didn't need waivers just to make room for uh, Marner. And the biggest problem with the Maple Leafs is their backup goaltender. And they don't have a cap room to carry a guy that the, 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 apparently the number is that the guy has to make under a million dollars. He has to make close. The backup goalie needs to make at least the league minimum to fit in there. So I want to throw this in there. Above the the one two three four five guys that I that I listed uh, as UFA RFAs for 2020-2021 off season. Yeah. Uh, the Lightning have Cedric Paquette. They have Kalorn. They have Johnson, Gord, Palat, Braden Point, Stamkos, and Kucherov all tied up for the foreseeable future from. 2021 all the way through 2025-2026. As well as the the middle would be 2021-2022 season. Okay. So So there's some surgery that uh, Tampa Bay might have to deal with the devil. Yeah. Devil's in the details and the the surgery. and um, So, you know, Look, it's a cap crunch for a lot of these teams. Um, you know, maybe do do, do the Vegas uh, the Vegas and Golden Knights come a calling on Miles Wood? You know that that's another team that has that Wild West run and gun type style. He could be like a poor man's uh, William Carlson on the bottom six for them. You know, that big winger. A lot of speed, but you know his skating can can get some work, and he and he knows John Merrill. So, you know you have two. Yeah, you would have two guys that know each other from recent years uh, of playing. But I want to go down to the next player, uh, Wayne Simmons. So, uh, I think Wayne Simmons will fetch you. I think he can get you a second round pick. It depends on the team. Um, I think he definitely brings that value. He's got a big body. He's good on the power play. He he can screen a guy. He'll add value. I mean, he didn't, you know, he's got a $5 million contract, which could be tough for some teams. But, it, would, it would be. But, you know, I think they're able to get something for him because I'm going to read a bunch of uh, current cap space teams 
Uh, right now, you have the Islanders that have $8.299 million. Uh, the Avalanche have a surplus. The Canadians, the Jets. The Blues have somewhat with $5.287 million. And you have Nashville Predators at four point six. But other than the Jets, you have Montreal, Colorado, and you have the Islanders as as a financial savvy suitors uh, that are in the playoffs currently. All right. So you have some teams that have cap room in the. Uh... They have cap room that are in a playoff picture that could use a guy like Simmons. And I actually think Montreal absolutely fits his uh, style because they have a lot of – I hate hitting on them because of the size issue. They don't have enough size, but they need a guy who's going to replace that Andrew Shaw. And this is a guy that can get down in the dirty areas – and I'm looking at uh, Montreal's draft picks. They have a Chicago second rounder. They have their own second rounder. They have their own third. They have a their own Montreal fourth, the Anaheim fourth, the San Jose fourth, and the Winnipeg fourth, and the fifth in um, the Flor- Florida Panthers, and they have their own as well as their own sixth, and they have a Chicago seventh. Uh, I think it makes sense if uh, the Canadians are desperate and they're willing to spend the money, uh, they would give the Devils the Anaheim and maybe throw in uh, that, that Florida fifth, and you can get maybe a, a player in there. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think you're going to get an exact roster player from uh, Montreal because Montreal would have to start sending a, a few guys down to make room. Yeah, and, you know, Montreal has been tied to, you know, Taylor Hall talks. So maybe if if Hall goes to Montreal, maybe Simmons is a part of that package too. And they would have to – if. And I'm also going to go on the record about Montreal. If they want to give us something really juicy in return, I would say Nick Suzuki and possibly maybe Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Yeah. One of the two you throw in there. And I cer- I cer- I certainly talked about uh, his name, uh, Mete. Yeah, Victor Mete, who's hurt right now. But you know he's a young guy. He's going to come back. But he but he does have a really good structured uh, style of defense. But I also think you know Montreal has really good goaltending prospects, like uh, like like Caden Primo we talked about. But I don't see him replacing Carey Price anytime soon because of that Carey Price contract. Yeah, no one's no one's replacing Carey Price anytime soon. But having the idea of Caden Primo uh, would give maybe you swap goaltenders in that trade. But 
the Devils would have a, a more improved goaltending situation, but they could certainly, if Simmons and Hall are in that, you're looking at Montreal's uh, first round in 2020, a first in 2021, maybe Chicago's second, uh, Anaheim's fourth, and Montreal's third. And they could possibly upgrade depending on how Montreal does in the playoffs. Yeah, it, again, I, I I totally agree with all of that. I, there, there's nothing wrong with anything of what you said there. It makes all the sense in the world. And you just – you have to package it right. So, say, you know, say you get a Nick Suzuki or Jesper Kokkaniemi or maybe a Cole Caulfield. You don't know. But regardless of the team that they trade with, especially if we go back to Hall, a defenseman has to come back in return. And if we were doing it with Colorado, you know, I did say Gerard and I did say Zadorov. You know, you're looking at a roster defenseman easily because you can't give New Jersey anything less than a solid def- defensive defenseman who can be physical or a guy that can – play that style of hockey that the next upcoming head coach of the Devils would want. But uh, they would also be familiar with Ray Shiro. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I mean, if if we want to keep harping on the Colorado situation, from every indication that I see, and I've put some dots together, Colorado makes the most sense. They have the most. You the know, most assets? Yeah. You know, it just makes the most sense. And I know it's Colorado, but I wish I could be high on this one. But my dream would be getting Kale, Kale McCarr, that defenseman. But there's no way. No, that's not Den- happening. Denver's Rocky Mountain high tune, they're going to get him. No. They're, it would be a, it'd be like a getting the trade for Taylor Hall one for one. That that's how crazy it would be. And even and even then, I mean that was, and it was weird because you know I brought this up you know uh, with a buddy of mine the other day. In regards, you go back to look at the, the uh, you know you look at go back to the trade. The Edmonton Oilers pretty much gave him up for nothing. Like, if I call it in the investment side, that's pennies on the dollar. Yeah. But Taylor Hall's value has shot up since that Hart Trophy season. I mean, even before it was starting to lead up, but I believe it's time for a ratio to cash in on the the final sentiment of him. Uh, Sammy Vatnin. Defenseman. See, his name is starting to come up a lot now. Um. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, you would think he, he might have been a cornerstone piece, especially since when they made the trade for Henrique. You know, he, he has a lot of value. He eats a lot of minutes. So he's – but he was one of those guys out in Anaheim. He was like the third guy behind Lindholm and Fowler. So he could probably get you a first-round pick and maybe a defenseman in return, maybe a, def, maybe a trade or a swap one for one. Okay. So- all right, hold on real quick. So, I'm listening to the Sportsnet feed right now of uh, of the game. 
and Elliot Freeman's going to talk about Taylor Hall real quick. Oh, good, goodies. He's going to make a good deal here. The team we're watching tonight, to me, is a likely suitor to have this player, Taylor Hall, as a rental. Now, they've got some cap issues coming up. They've got some players coming up that have to be signed. They're going to have difficulty taking him. So, Brian Burke was saying that Colorado is going to be more of a suitor of a rental because they have the assets to make the trade. Ooh. Da-da-da-da. So Colorado does have a, a, a contract crunch ahead of him with McKinnon being an, a UFA in 2023, Landis Gog in 2021, and Makari RFA in 2021. And we're talking $9.25 million right now for Rontemore. Yeah. Taylor Hall might be the best rental, might be a perfect fit for them. They've got cap space. Chris Parner was that guy for us. We went out and got him, and we had a parade. This, to me, I think Colorado's close. Once they're healthy, this makes perfect sense for them. If I was Taylor Hall and I was looking towards the summer as a free agent, mm-hmm. I would be salivating at the idea of Colorado. Now, I think there's going to be some... Elliot just backed it up. They said that if he was Taylor Hall, he'd be salivating if it was Colorado. Burke hit it, said it best. They're, there, they're a piece or two away from winning now. I think I think Shira has to pull it. It is a trade and an automatic contract extension. No, Mark Stone was on the podcast and he said he wanted to go to Vegas. I think Taylor Hall is open to just about anything as long as it's a good fit for him for his future. And a a chance to win. I really believe Taylor Hall wants to go somewhere with a chance to win. Colorado fits that bill. This could be the right fit. Mm -hmm. I'm not sold on Colorado as a Stanley Cup champion because they have to beat St. Louis. And I'm not sold on their goaltenders yet. Quickly, yes or no, does he make it the trade deadline? No, I'm sold on Colorado. Uh, Elliot Friedman was just asked by Jeff Merrick if Hall makes it to the trade deadline. Uh, an emphatic no by Friedman. He doesn't make it to the trade deadline. The trade, I, the trade happens beforehand. Didn't I say on YouTube that one day that I don't see Taylor Hall getting anywhere near February trade deadline? No. You don't. Uh, no, you didn't. And sorry, folks, if we just like went radio silent for a little bit, but I was just listening to what those guys were saying because I was listening to the Sportsnet feed of uh, Toronto and Colorado tonight. And for our, uh, so, for our, so for our listeners, those guys are prime time information for us people trying to bring in, you know, th- this kind of information. Yeah. And, you know, they both feel that Colorado is a perfect destination. While Burke isn't sold on Colorado being a Stanley Cup contender, Elliot Freeman is, but they both agree that it's the right fit. And it I makes also, the most sense. I think at average, Colorado is a Western Conference final champion. No, no, nothing less than that. But more, they're a Stanley, they're a Stanley Cup team. And potential of acquiring Taylor Hall. Uh, I have Taylor Hall's jersey, uh, Devils jersey, since he came to the Devils, and I would be all happy for him playing out west because he doesn't suit this timeline for the New Jersey Devils. And excuse me, yeah, I know dinner was just speaking. Uh, I don't see uh, 
after Zajac's done by 2021 offseason with Simmons gone, you know, Simmons is going to be gone soon. So the Devils are going to have a younger core of forwards. And if you can get a first and a second or a first and a roster player for Sammy Vatnin, that would help the Devils build things up even better. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to what, you know, Friedman said a couple of weeks ago when I was listening on TSN. How much surgery does this team want to do? How much assets do they want to do? There, there are pieces here to be successful. They have two great pieces to build around. And actually, you touched on it right now. Um, I actually want to talk about the untouchable players. So I'm going to say names you you approve or disapprove. Okay. Jack Hughes. Um, He's not going anywhere. He's untouchable. Nico. Untouchable. Uh, Kyle Palmieri. I would put him in the untouchable cat- category because I think he just fits the, what the Devils are doing. He's a Jersey boy. He's home. He's having fun. He looks good. He looks comfortable. Uh, it just makes the, it's the best place for him. Nikita Gusev, the Red Red Army sniper. I mean, you just got him. You're going to give up on him that quickly? You just paid the guy $4.5 million? No, he's not. not, But I'm trying to prove the other people who are listening. No, he's he's untouchable. He's not going anywhere. He's he's certainly fitting the system. I mean, with Hines gone, he's only going to suit the system even better. Yeah. And uh, Miles Wood, we just mentioned him. He he can he can go. Pavel Zaka. Um, you know what? He could he could he's a candidate to be on a trading block. So he he's he's a holder he's a holder go basically. Yeah, he's a holder go because the thing is again he's a fifteen is a sixteen draft, fifteen draft. It was the one. Uh, it was 2015 because of Provorov. Okay, so 15 fi- draft. So if you go, again go back and look at the 15 draft, he was a six. He was a six pick overall. And you look at the guys that what the guys are doing now. He should have more of an impact, and he's not. Yeah, he's a, it, he could go. I mean, he's not untouchable. He's definitely he could be one of those guys that could be traded. I think any team that wants a center or a winger of a big body that want to exchange centers for someone who can play third line minutes certainly could trade to New Jersey for him. That certainly has more upside. Maybe it might be like a Dylan Strom type trade. Yeah, exactly. Similar to what, you know, and he's found new life. It's funny. The two guys that get drafted by Arizona, Max Domi and Dylan Strom both go to hockey markets and both are finding success. And so we move on from hockey markets to a Texan, Blake Coleman. Untouchable or touchable? You know, this one's, this one's tough for me. Um, as I like what Coleman brings, I, you know, I keep him around. He, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. He's a penalty killer. Yeah, you know, he could stay. Two-way power forward? Yeah, two-way he, power forward. Jesper Bolkvist. Ah, uh, he's staying. You drafted him. Uh, he's he he. I wouldn't trade him unless there was the right offer was there. I I keep him. 
only way you do it is if it's if it includes Connor McDavid. Yeah. Other than that, or Kale McCarr, there's no way in hell I would trade him. A hundred percent agree. I I'm gonna say this name. We're all gonna laugh. Uh, John Hayden. Oh, John Hayden. I mean, probably probably put the guy on waivers. Somebody pick him up. <laughs> he'd, he'd be he'd be free samples. Exactly. Um, Jasper Bratt. Uh no, Bratt's part of the nucleus that you want to build around. Um, he's again, he's you know, he's still in, there's a lot of inconsistencies in his game, but with the right coach and the right players and the right system. I think last night was a testament to that. Yes, exactly. I mean, he did beat him. He did beat Malcolm Subban cleanly. Meanwhile, Taylor Hall got shoved in to Subban. So. That was a good goal other, otherwise. Uh, Kevin Rooney. I, I practice. Yeah, he, can, he can go. Waivers. Waivers, exactly. I just don't see Shiro and, uh, and the new coach uh, wanting to bring him in. So Unless it's AHL. Yeah. I just don't see his near-term future with the team, honestly. Uh, this is a wonderful guy. Uh, who we acquired via trade, uh, P.K. Subban in the offseason. You know, that's an interesting one because he, you know, if the price is right, he could get traded again to a team that could use him. There's only a few teams that could swallow. Right, exactly. And I just don't know. And the problem is he hasn't had a point in 15 games. His power play production is down. He needs he's, a defensive defenseman. He, he, he's, he's not the same player that he was. I, 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 he, like, I, I like him. I like him. It's The problem is if the Devils are like, oh, well, if somebody trades for him, do they eat the contract? I, he probably ends up staying. But... The the Devils could swallow half the contract. Yeah, exactly. So if let's say a team out west comes a knocking, you know, I I don't think Dallas is in the playoffs, but let's just say for example they want to improve their offensive defense side. Who would you give up for a team like that that could possibly use his nine million dollar contract? <laughs> Team that could use him. I mean, the I mean the the place that could use him. I mean, look, he was beloved in Montreal. Will they take him back? If 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 the problem is, I think there's I think there's some I think there's some bad blood still there because the whole contract negotiation when he was given it, you know, he had proven himself, but they wanted to prove him. Bergman said, prove yourself even more. Gave him a bridge deal. There's some talk. There was some stuff about how he's a bad locker room guy. It, it, that's, that's tough. That one's, that one's tough. I mean, Pacioretty's in Vegas now. But yeah. I mean, Pacioretty's different story. Different, yeah. Different, completely different animal. But I think, you know, any team that's looking for a right-handed shot that can bomb it in and be physical and bring the energy, you know, any team out West, I think Winnipeg would like him, especially 
uh, if Dustin Bufflin doesn't want to play anymore, you have $8 million to use. Yeah. Uh, look, Winnipeg. I mean, the problem is Winnipeg's doing it with, like, nobody on defense. They're winning. So, I, I mean, do they really want to mess things up? The question is, what happens after they trade for a guy? Or do you think, you know, it would be a good insurance move for them or any other Western team if the Devils can't trade within the East? Probably. They would probably want to go Western Conference. Probably don't want to see him again. They probably – Unless, you know, somebody in the East needs him. But, again, it's all about cap. And and with the way the cap is now, no one really can afford that $9 million except the Devils. Now, I know he's the captain, but he's in his final year. Andy Green, do you want him to retire in the sunset? Or do you want him Look, to trade him to a team where he'll feel the best in the playoffs? Look, if Green decides to waive his no-trade clause and go chase the Stanley Cup, go good for him. Yeah, he has a no-trade. So I mean, him, I think the thing is, I think him and Zajac are two guys that are just going to be lifers for the Devils. I think, if anything, Andy Green retires as a Devil, and so does Travis Zajac. Now, we talked about Sammy Votnin. I he I mean, yeah, I, I could see him being traded. I don't think he's an untouchable. I think he's an intriguing piece. I think the team that looks at him has to give the Devils a really solid return. No, no less than a third round pick in this draft. Whoa, that's cool. That's 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 how I feel about Sammy's play. It's. I mean, he's only getting better, and he's under $5 million. I don't expect him to break more than $5.2 million in the offseason. So uh, just a little, uh, just real quick, um, I just went on Twitter because I posted the thing. Um, and uh, so I, I looked at, and I got a notification, and uh, Abby Mastraco followed me on Twitter tonight. Oh, she did. Yeah, I follow. I follow her. Yeah, so do I. And you know, I I sent her a private message. People were getting on her case. Yeah. So, um, yes. you know, I just I got you got to st- I got to you know I got to stick up for my for fellow my fellow writers. writers exactly. And the fact that you know people you know it's not l- ladies and gentlemen. Just a quick, just a quick thing. We try to ask our best questions. Sometimes they may not come off the best. We cannot come out and outright ask a general manager or coach why his team sucks. It, it doesn't work like that. We are all frustrated. But did we do our best? Anyway, segueing back to looking at guys that are untouchable or not. So I, uh, I think we already talked about Sammy Vatten. Yeah, Vatten. Yeah. No, no less than a third on my scale. I probably, at, at least I think you could get, I think you get at least a second from him. And uh, Damon Severson, I mean, is he untouchable or is he worthy is, of keeping? Is he? Is he? 
The thing is, his play is he's taken such a major step backwards this year. Do you think it's a fluke season that he can prove next season? I think I I think this is just a bad year. I think he's one of those guys because he's been heralded as a guy that you want to build around. If there was going to be value for him, they they probably should have done it in the off season. I think it would have happened at this point. You keep him for another season, see where it goes. Yeah. And he's basically a poor man's Shea Weber. He is. And, you know, speaking, I mean, Shea Weber making a ton of money from Montreal, so. I definitely think he he could have bet on himself a little bit sooner. Uh, Will Butcher, I know the Devils signed him, you know, long. uh, No, it was more of a bridge deal. You couldn't call it that. I call it a bridge deal because it wasn't really that long term. It was a couple of years. Um, they bought some uh, UFA years from him. So, um, I, you know, I I think he's a foundation on defense. He he didn't sign in Colorado for a reason. He came to New Jersey. So, And he liked the style. He likes the style. So I keep him around. And I I don't agree with this player sticking around. He hasn't really played much. Mirko Mueller. Yeah, no, he can go. I, I'm sorry, but I think he either goes to another team in the NHL, in the AHL rather, or he goes to the NLA in Switzerland. Yeah, he's yeah, he's out of here. I just don't – I don't think he fits the NHL. I think there's a reason why San Jose let him go from the Barracudas. Yeah, I, yeah he's <clears throat> out of here. Uh, Tennyson – uh, I'm not quite sold on. It's more of an AHL player to me. Yeah, I think he gets put down after. I when I say put down, I don't mean like an animal. I mean no. he gets when, sent when, down to the minors. When Connor Carrick gets activated off injured reserve, actually, you you brought me onto one of those notes from uh, Sportsnet. Uh, they said Hughes and uh, and of. Of course, Connor Carrick are due back tomorrow on the fifth. That's uh, that, that's their speculation. Yeah, I mean, technically, the Devils could wait until the sixth because their game is not until Friday to make all those moves. Those pay, there's a they'll probably make a paper move tomorrow. Um, because I don't really see Jack Hughes missing another game. Uh, he's had, you know, he didn't play Monday. He didn't play yesterday. He'll have today off. He has and those Thursdays. Right. They have, they have tomorrow. And so he'll be ready to go against Chicago. And so you might see a call-up or maybe you just see Carrick gets put back on the roster. and you see Exactly. Maybe Rooney or Hayden gets sent down to bingo for Jack <coughs> to make room. Exactly. Uh, then we move into the goaltending. Louis Domingue. Bye bye. Trade for trade for Kincaid. I don't know. Do they bring him back? I mean, I you know, or do you let it go to someone like Jill Sen or anyone else in the AHL? I mean, you need you got to find a goaltender going forward. You need to find a goaltender. You need to have a veteran quality backup goaltender or starting goaltender if they want to compete. 
because Corey Schneider, I had to say it, his, his time is basically done in the NHL level. I, I just feel that way right now after watching that that shootout that he was doing in bingo. Uh, you know, he just doesn't look the same after another one of his injuries, and he has no trade clause. And best best thing you could do is expose him to Seattle or buy him out for the next few years. Well, that that's always been my speculation is if did they, did they let did they expose him to Seattle or they, are they just going to outright buy him out? I think at this point, after 2021, uh, on July 1st, when Camilleri's buyout expires on July 1st of 2021, you, you can certainly make that move at earliest. So it's a possibility then, but I don't think it is now because I'm just reading it from Cap Friendly. Yeah, so they'll, they'll probably just wait to do it. And do you see Mackenzie Blackwood getting a steady raise this offseason? Uh, uh, he's definitely going to get the, get a raise. How big of it of it is, uh, your guess is as good as mine. He'll probably get a, a hefty, not a hefty amount, but he'll get a nice significant raise. Like eight hundred eighty eight grand, maybe? So what's he make now? $697,500. I think I would, you know... I could see him making a million, a million too. It's keeping up with inflation. I think a million's perfect for him. It's it's not like Jordan Bennington money. No, because, because Bennington won a Stanley Cup. So. Yeah. And but, Blackwood hasn't proven anything like that yet. But he's but he's clearly the goaltender for the future for the Devils. That's, as exa- that's exactly what I was thinking about and to think about going forward you know we talked about guys that are going to be around you know there's going to be a time where Peter Horacek and Elaine Nazardine aren't on the staff so you got to think about with these return on investment trades you know who who would they attract as a coach you know if they get back in a primetime defenseman and maybe an elite, you know, level prospect that's NHL ready, you know, who do you think on this list of coaches that we talked about in our rankings would be most suitable? I mean, pressure cooker. Yeah, it is a pressure cooker. I mean, the most suitable for these got these players the most, the two guys that come to mind for, uh, to me are are Bilesma and Granado. I have to say, if it's not Eliash, it's definitely Bilesma and Granado because the way Granado and Bilesma have been around, both the professional level and the minor level, you can see also with the way things are, money puck era. It, I like Granado right now, and I also think. John Roblevsky would be a great assistant coach because you would have Jack Hughes. And if you get, let's say, Cole Caulfield in a trade from Montreal, then you have that USA connection. Yeah, and it makes the most sense. I mean, 
I'll go back to draft night. Ah, uh, when Caulfield was falling, I thought the Devils were going to jump up and grab him. I thought they would have Shiro trying to trade up in the middle area like that. I was surprised that Cole Caulfield fell that far. And anyone who's in Montreal or in Quebec or Canada listening, you got a great player. I uh, have to say. I mean, their future is bright. With, I mean, well, Paling's. I mean, Paling's played great for Laval, and I mean, he's unbelievable. He's another player. Another player. I wish that didn't go to a rival. Uh, I know the Canadians aren't a rival, but uh, Joel Farabee to the Flyers in the draft. I would have loved to have him if he didn't fall that far. Yeah, but. It is what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. Not much we can go back and, and and look at things anymore. So, But going forward, there's a lot that Ray Shearer will elaborate on in a trade. And, of course, if it is true that with Elliot Freeman speaking on tonight's uh, show, you know, I, I can certainly see Colorado making – Ray Shiro salivate to make that move. Absolutely. I could definitely see him because do that. I mean, look, the other key piece was that is they also want a young defenseman out of it. I mean, if they give us Bone Byram, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that is Colorado going to want to part with Byram. I think if the, the deal is perfect for Hall and they want, and they want to sign him long-term, are you risking that conditional first or are you going to give your own player that you drafted in your first round in that package along with your 2020 first? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's all crazy and there's no guarantee that's going to be signed either because it, from the sound of it, it seems like when Mark Stone signed his extension, he really wanted to go to Vegas. It doesn't sound, it, I mean, if I'm, and I agree with Friedman, if, if I'm Hall, I, I would salivate playing with those guys for a long, long time. But does and I mean he wants to win. It makes the most sense. Colorado's going to be a contender for a while, so it just makes the most sense. But is he going to just stick with his options? I think if I'm Taylor Hall and I see that you know Colorado is that one, and you're talking to Ray Shiro about it or are you talking to Darren Ferris about it? And you say you want to sign, let's say, however many million dollars. Let's say it's $9.5 million, $11 million the next season. You know, you better take the money while you have it. Meanwhile, you're in the NHL. Exactly. I mean, the call is going to be looking for some money. He wants to win. Like I said, you put the pieces together, you start playing with the dominoes. It just, it Colorado just seems to be the most, make the most sense. And re, I mean, re, and like you said, Ratio is going to have a lot more things to say. Coaching staff's going to have more things to say. Devils are back at it. Practice tomorrow. Game on Friday. Chicago. Should be a fun game. They always seem to play well. Um, it's just going to be a long, it's just going to be a process. You're just going to have to settle in. The first domino has fallen, and you're just going to see where things go from there. Uh, you know, I expect the Devils aren't going to be done. I think there's more to come. 
I think I think you're right, and I hate to cut you off on there. I no, go for it. I mean, there's a lot of surgery to do, and with so many teams looking at the Devils as a gold mine, you know, and the Devils will get really good assets on return and young players in return. Uh, Another player from Colorado, I think, who could possibly fit in New Jersey would be Andre Burakovsky because he's going to want a pay raise by 2020 in the offseason. And you have them trying to pay Tyson Jost. They have to possibly pay Matt Nieto, maybe Valerie Nitrushkin if he wants to stay or he goes back to the KHL. As a, but he's an RFA. But you have Vladislav Kamenev, and then you have TJ Tynan. So you have those guys all within one offseason minus your defenseman. And to make matters worse for uh, Colorado going into cap crunch, you have to pay Zadorov in the 2020 offseason, Mark Barbiero, and then you have most likely uh, Ryan Graves. But they might throw an extension you know, by 2020, 2021 for Kale McCarr. Yeah, and they could even get that extension done sooner. Um, the way he's playing, and speaking of Colorado, Nate McKinnon with a filthy goal uh, to give the Avs one nothing lead. Um, did, he do, did he do it Crosby style? He went far down. Oh, I like it, the sound of bar down. Oh. You know, any of those highlights, you, you want to see maybe someone else on the wing just in case if the the puck doesn't go in the net right away. So, but, yeah. So, again, it's, like I said, recapping, you know, Hines, he got, he had to let, he let go. It's unfortunate he was a casualty, but, you know, uh, good on the players for not bashing him. Good on the players for <laughs> saying that these guys, this guy helped them, especially Hall. He said it helped them win the MVP in 2018 they still have work to do it's not going to happen overnight yesterday was a step in the right direction and just going forward you're just going to have to be patient and it was better it wasn't great and maybe the expectations were just too high on this team coming into this season i think what the devil's marketing has to do better is not to like you said overhype and i also believe that you know, when season ticket salespeople are trying to push hard on potential season ticket holders is to be honest about, you know, going forward. And they, okay, they, I mean, you know, we the fans and the listeners know that this team has been rebuilding since, I want to say, 2013. Yeah. It's been prolonged until Shiro took over in 2015. So let's call that almost five years under Shiro. So it's basically, okay, about seven years plus, if you count the Lou years. So there's a lot of math and recalculating since 2015. Now that Shiro has all his guys in place, he's got to find the right head coach in the off season and not rush it because this is the most important, but I did tell you uh, off the air that I do see ratio not getting fired, but being promoted 
to a higher role in the organization and keeping uh, Tommy Fitzgerald. And if anyone's listening, I'm a big fan of Ray Shiro, even though he, he ran the Penguins. You know, it was always, you know, great to watch a bunch of Devils-Penguins games uh, before he was the GM of the Devils. I always had a respect for him. And, you know, I, I can't stop fathoming the template that he had in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I do want to say this is that the future's brighter ahead, but the doom and gloom is over. It is over. I mean, you know, things can't get much worse. How can they? It was pretty bad on Monday night uh, against Buffalo. I don't even want to call it a game. I think it was a slaughter. A massacre. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, Vegas, they outplayed Vegas. They really did. A couple of bounces don't go their way. It could have been a different game. But, you know, you'd be, you'd be positive. Your new staff, uh, Horacek's there, uh, new coach, players, a different voice. It's just something that they need. And as I said before, it's something like with Toronto, just a new voice. Maybe with a similar message, but a new voice, it'll help them and get the most out of these players. And the best thing Ray Shiro said yesterday was that the players need to need more from themselves. There needs to be more accountability from them. And now it's on them because Heinz is gone, and it's now on them to perform. And now their feet is in the fire right now. I'm. I don't mean literally. I mean figuratively. To the point that, you know, the guys who aren't performing, you know, you're going to see transactions made ASAP. I I can see within the first five games, whoever falters then begins to uh, have less job security than the other guy that they're losing their spots with. But I do I do see the way Jesper Bokvist is playing, that he's going to continue heating up. And having him play with a fellow countryman, Jesper Bratt, will only help him get better. And you can put this in your uh, last word on hockey uh, blog right there. I think it would be uh, perfect to use it since there's a change in the guard. That's actually going to be the title for tonight. Yeah, I, I think I like I like the way Boquist played the other night. I like the way he's been playing. Um, I like, I, you know, he looks good on that top line. He really does. But again, Skilled players playing with skilled players, and that's something I've been harping on. And I, and it all goes back even to the days with Nino Niederreiter and, and, and the Islanders. You can't expect production from a guy when he's not put in a situation to succeed. And I actually thought Nino Ryder would have gotten traded to the Devils last year. Yeah, so, I mean... It, it, again, Boquist put in a position to succeed. And- that's all it is. And I, I will also say this, like, you know, this is a blessing in disguise. Uh, I know it's the holiday season, but using those phrases for people who haven't quite heard them on a show, you know, like we've gone through some dark times, you know, this season and last season. And having, you know, kids like Hughes and Heesher being able to, you know, connect with one another on and off the ice – knowing that they have a new coach, slightly new coach, but a better philosophy. And 
as long as the new interim coach can harness the art of war where you can be more principled and more structured and be a lot wiser and manage the puck better, you know, there's going to be a lot of competitive hockey. And we started seeing a little bit of that last night. Yes, we did. And it's good to see. And the Devils are moving in the right direction. And you could and you could see the disappointment on Shiro's face because he thought this team would be better because he put a competitive team on paper, and but they just didn't live. They just didn't play well. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And you can see in in his face and in Nazardine's face, like Nazardine was just keeping it cool and he was unsure about certain things, but at the same time he knew that he had to lead a, a team of twenty three men, and he also was able to keep everyone calm, cool, and collected within, like, under two hours, basically. You know, having Hines gone, you know, it's it's a blessing under fire. So, I, I guess I made a reference to, uh, what was that movie? Uh, the Godfather. Ah, uh, yes. Great one, movie. One of, the be- one of the best tri-state area films that uh, most people don't think about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great it's a great it's a great film. It really is. But uh, you you don't want to think Hines is Jimmy Hoffa though. <laughs> Just no. talking about the Irishman. Uh, great, mo- oh, another great film. But I think there's enough of those tri-state references. Uh, no, uh, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories. I'm just making a slight joke from a few movies. <laughs> That has to do with the tri-state area. But uh, I want to tell our Devils fans and hockey listeners that, you know, as bad as it's been, I believe this team has bottomed out to the point it's going to shoot back up. Yeah, I I mean, look, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, the darkest before the dawn. Have they – I mean, how many times can you hit rock bottom – um, but they definitely have, and I think, I mean, there was no choice but to make this coaching move. Somebody had to take the fall. Unfortunately, John Hines got in the way. Um, it usually goes on the coaching staff. It never goes on. I mean, the players definitely had to perform better now. It's on them. And you saw the text I sent you that I basically highlighted those coaches, and, like, I know – Peter DeBoer had a better winning percentage than uh, John Hines, but John Hines ended up somehow getting the second most wins in Devils history, but he did not win a Stanley Cup at all. He fe- he fell short in the playoffs. I'll give him the playoffs part where he got one got one win in five games, but. Still, still nowhere near Jacques Lemaire, Pat Burns, or any of those other guys. I, I got to say one thing in closing before we wrap it up because my phone's about to die. Um, I will say there's, uh, there's one thing I will point to, and that is back during the playoff run in 2018, Devils were making a run. They clinched the playoff spot. And they still have one game to play against the Capitals. I still say it to this day. I put it out there on Twitter. Chris Wassel 
picked it up too. He agreed with me. The Devils should have never rested players against the Capitals. You always carry momentum into the playoffs. That was the one thing that Hines did wrong during that playoff run because you could see it against Tampa Bay in the first two games. The Devils did not have the same step they had at the end of the regular season. If they had played through Washington and then had the days off, it might have been a different series. Not to say they were going to win, but it would have been a lot more competitive than it was. Or else I would have been at the next Devils game with my coworker because his his parents that season were season ticket holders. Right. So I'm just saying, I said it back then. I'll take it with me now. <laughs> I'm not backing off of that stand. I have to agree with you. I just didn't know why he did that, but I know we're gonna start wrapping it up like uh, like a holiday present that gets delivered under the tree or the menorah, whatever you think about this season, this holiday season that is. Festivus for the rest of us with more podcasts to come. And uh, maybe we will package Taylor Hall somewhere. Maybe we will. You never know. We, he might be gone before the holidays. Well, he's checking it once. He's checking it twice. He's going to see who has assets or not. Exactly. Zero class is coming to town. All right, everybody. All right. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Right, peace. Peace.